Add roster spots and additional IR slots for this upcoming season. Do it. You need to. To the Fantasy Shed on Air podcast. Everything you need to win your league. And now, your host, Rich Piazza. What's up, everyone? Thanks for listening to Fantasy Shed on Air on August 22nd, 2020. And we're going to be going over the top handcuffs you should be looking at in your drafts. But first, we are very excited about our new partnership with Thrive Fantasy. Have you checked Thrive Fantasy out yet? If not, you absolutely need to. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. It is awesome, guys. Seriously, I played a lot on it last year. won some pretty good money. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. You're going to choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. That's with the NFL. They also have NBA, MLB, PGA, and eSports lineups as well but for nfl choose 10 of the top 20 player props to build your lineup each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur the more points a selection is worth the riskier it is rack up the most points to win your share of the prize pool guys use promo code shed that's s-h-e-d it doesn't matter if it's caps or not when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more that's promo code shed s-h-e-d for your instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more download thrive fantasy on your app store or google play store or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com sign up and prop up today seriously check it out it is awesome all right back to handcuffs should we be handcuffing at all is it a good strategy opinions vary about the topic all right so here's my take I've always been one to handcuff depending solely on, well, I can't say solely because there's a couple factors, who the handcuff is, what type of offense it is, and if it's worth it. If that player is going to be fantasy relevant enough to crack my lineups in the event that the starter goes down, I'm not going to handcuff my RB2 or my RB3 for that matter at all. And I'm not going to handcuff somebody, for example, and I'm going to go over this a little more in detail. For example, if I draft Saquon Barkley, who is my number one running back this year, and that's because um, it's never happened where the top running back has finished back-to-back years. But I'm not going to handcuff him with Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis isn't going to give me anywhere near the production that Saquon Barkley is going to give me at all. So if Barkley goes down, I'm not going to sit there and waste a rot spot on Deion Lewis because... I'm not going to get that same type of production. Now, there are some guys where you will get that type of production. Some guys where maybe the upside might be even a little higher than the actual starter, for that matter. So not all players should be handcuffed. Also, it's a good idea that you actually handcuff running backs that are not yours. And that includes players such as Tony Pollard, for example. So if you have Ezekiel Elliott, you want Tony Pollard. If I draft Elliott, I'm going to try to get... Tony Pollard as my handcuff. He's somebody I feel that will step right in and be able to give me not Elliott production, 
He'll be an RB2, maybe even an RB1 in his absence. All right, that's based on his talent. That's based on the offense and, and so on. However, if I don't own Elliott, I'm still going to try and get that player because if Elliott does go down, now you have that much more on your team as a non-Elliott owner. So you're taking away from that Elliott owner. So you want to try to get these handcuffs of players that are not your running backs. Some running backs, I do want the handcuff for I'm not going to go and reach and I'm not going to go pay a premium price just to get that handcuff, but I will hopefully end up with that player in the example of Elliott. Now, you also have players that really aren't handcuffs. And the number one player I'm going to mention now, he's not a handcuff because he he is he has his own standalone value. He's somebody that you should be drafting anyway. And he's one of my must-have players this year. And that's Kareem Hunt. If anything were to happen to Chubb, who's already dealing with a concussion, Hunt is going to be probably a top five running back if Chubb was to miss time. In 2017, in Hunt's rookie season, he was a top five running back. In 2018, before he was on the uh, before he was placed on the commissioner exemplist, he was a top five running back. Last season, after his suspension, he came back. And he was an RB2. He was at um, RB24, maybe on the borderline, maybe RB25. But that's only in eight games. And in six of those eight games that he played, he had more fantasy points each week than uh, Nick Chubb. So he's not a handcuff, and he's he's being drafted. You're not going to go and draft Nick Chubb in the third round and then go and, and draft Hunt in the, in the sixth or seventh. That would not make sense. You could have them both, and you could play them both. But I wouldn't necessarily be looking at that. But Hunt is... If you want to consider him a handcuff for the simple fact that he be that he's the guy that takes over if something happens with with Chubb, fine. I don't look at it that way because in my opinion this is a 1A 1B type backfield and I wrote about this on a featured article on Fantasy Pros so go check that out. It's the 7 I believe the 7 or 10 must have players. Um I mentioned Kareem Hunt for this reason as well. So He's not really part of my handcuffs, but he will be an RB1 if something happens to Nick Chubb. Some other players that also have really good standalone value that you're drafting without drafting the quote-unquote starter on the team who will also be RB1 potential if they ever got the starting role. Players like Latavius Murray. I mentioned Tony Pollard. Now, Pollard doesn't have standalone value. Pollard is probably, and I was going to mention this later on, but I'll do it now. Pollard would be my top handcuff, real handcuff, a player that really doesn't have standalone value, but a player that will be an RB1 if something happens to Elliott. So as far as pure handcuffs, those that don't have their own value, uh, Tony Pollard is my number one in that case. But I'm looking at right now, I'm going to go over some players, like I said, who have have their own standalone value and will also be an RB1 uh, if something were to happen. I mentioned Latavius Murray. Uh, Zach Moss is somebody that I really like a lot who, and I think Zach Moss is going to have some pretty good value on his own anyway, but I'm not drafting Singletary and then I'm going to get Moss. If I don't have Singletary, that's where I want Zach Moss. He has a lot of potential there to be an RB1 if something happens to Singletary. Alexander Madison, no standalone value, but one of the top handcuffs in the league. If something happens to Cook and there is still some friction there between him and the Vikings, Alexander Madison has the talent and the ability and the offense where they run so much that he could be an RB1 in the absence of Dalvin Cook. 
Nobody else really has a ton of standalone value. Maybe you could look at the Chargers backfield with Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson, though. We really don't know in what order that's going to be. I'm going to assume that Justin Jackson is going to get more of the early down work between the two, meaning between Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly. But Joshua Kelly is very talented, and he's a big back, and he could be used a lot uh, near the goal line as well. So we have to wait and see how that plays out. And of course, not having any preseason games really hurts us as far as that goes. We really don't have much to go by other than what we hear from the beat reporters. Uh, So they might have some standalone value. One of them will, uh, the other not so much. I briefly mentioned uh, Latavius Murray. He does have some value. You could draft him anyway. Might uh, be able to throw him in your flex from time to time. But again, if anything happens to Kamara, uh, Latavius Murray is going to have RB1 type of potential. So if I'm ranking the players with standalone value, who would be RB1s or could be RB1s? Kareem Hunt, obviously, is my number one. Uh, Latavius Murray would probably be two. Zach Moss would probably be three. Um, might want to go with Matt Breda as well. I like Breda better than Howard. I think Breda is going to get more of an opportunity in Miami than Howard will. I think that's a good mix of players, though, and I I hope they, well, I don't hope because I'm a Jets fan, but if they utilize them properly, I think that could be a really good backfield. Um, and, of course, they both have to stay healthy, which is obviously a tough thing to do, especially for uh, Matt Breda, who I absolutely love. And you, if you follow me, you know that. I've been following this kid since uh, his his Georgia Southern days, and it's just frustrating because I have him every year on my fantasy teams, and uh, it's frustrating because every game he seems to be, you know, leaving at some point with an injury. So he needs to stay healthy, and if he does, I think he can be a dynamic player. And he does; he should be drafted as as somebody with standalone value. And if something would happen to Howard, I think Breda gets even more of an opportunity. So that's really it. Nobody else really has a lot of standalone value that you want to draft as far as not as a set handcuff. Now, when we talk about the pure handcuffs, I already mentioned Tony Pollard. He would probably be the top pure handcuff, somebody that's not going to be drafted for anything other than um, a handcuff. He's not going to be, he shouldn't be utilized much in a, on a weekly basis. However, if something would have happened to Elliott, he's a guy with RB1 potential. So he probably tops that list. And then there are a few others that I like as well, and they include, I mentioned Madison already, so it would be Pollard 1, Madison probably 2, as far as pure handcuffs. Um, Then you can go to guys such as uh, Marlon Mack, who I still think is going to be involved in this offense despite the um, hype around uh, Jonathan Taylor. Daryl Henderson is somebody I was excited about last year as a girly as a girly handcuff, but I think he also has some potential to be maybe a late a back end RB one early RB two if something happens over there in um, with the Chargers. Although I think Cam Akers is going to be the guy. Maybe not at first. It's going to be hard for rookies, I think, to be the guy uh, at first with with this kind of offseason especially. So I might see you might see some of a more of a running back by committee with some of these teams that have you know that have these rookies, and I think the Chargers are one of them. So Henderson might have some value on his own, depending on how they're used, but definitely has the potential if something happens to one of the running backs, especially Cam Akers. Uh, Tevin Coleman, I can mention. I'm not. I, I don't really know what to make of this San Francisco backfield. I, I think it's going to be all used. I know they kept most around. They gave you know they made made him happy, gave him more money, so he might be giving more of a shot. But um, 
you know, Tevin Coleman's still a very talented back, and he's still going to be used. He's still going to be involved. And if something were to happen to Mostert, uh, Tevin Coleman, he could be somebody that you might want to have. I'm not drafting him as a Mostert owner. I'm not going to go and look for him, but he's somebody that maybe, you know, in the back end of your draft, you want to take a flyer on um, as a non as a non-Mostert owner, then go ahead there. Keyshawn Vaughn, somebody that I have been so high on since the draft, even coming out, even before the draft, I thought he was one of my favorite running backs, um, at very underrated. I loved his landing spot. And he's, you know, he's been a little behind. He was on the COVID list. Now they're saying that he might open the season as a as a kick returner. I still think he's one of the more talented backs on the on the Buccaneers. I think he does things that fit Tom Brady well as far as pass protection and receiving. I'm not a big believer in Ronald Jones, though I was when he came out. I just don't really see things much now. I know he had some flashes, you know, last season. But I'm going to anticipate that Keyshawn Vaughn is is somebody who, at some point during the year, is going to be taking over this lead spot. I'm personally drafting Vaughn over Jones, but that's just me. Again, that's just my my belief in the player himself. And, and what he does well. And I'm not too certain. A lot of people are really up on Boston Scott, and I can understand that in Philadelphia. Um, I'm not sure of his role. Um, I've been reading that with Miles Sanders now being like uh, week to week with a lower body injury that Corey Clement, he's back on the radar, and he's been taking a lot of the reps with the first team. And I don't really know what Doug Peterson is going to do. I don't think anybody does. So I'm not really going to be as high on Boston Scott as some but again, he might be somebody as a you know Darren Sproles type of player who's going to be useful in a flex or something if he's used heavily and Miles Sanders goes down. Chase Edmonds is somebody that that you should be excited about. Um, he's somebody that if, if you go and draft Kenyon Drake, I'm not certain I would I would go and look to handcuff him with Chase Edmonds if he's there late. I might, but if you're not a Drake owner, Chase Edmonds would be somebody that I would definitely want to go target. In, in the late in the later rounds of my draft because he's somebody who probably has RB2, maybe late back end RB1 potential if Drake goes down. He might even be involved a little more than we think now, even with Drake there. So Edmonds is is one of the better handcuffs of somebody that you're gonna draft. You're not really gonna go look to draft him as somebody that you can have in your flex now unless something happens with Kenyon Drake. Let me see if I'm going. I'm just going through a list, looking at what is going on here. Damian Williams would have been, you know, obviously the top player, but he's not playing this year, so uh, you can cross him off the list. And then I don't know what happens in Kansas City. Okay, I think it's uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and then it's going to be a committee. So uh, I'm not confident in anyone. Some people are, you know, looking at um, Darwin Thompson, uh, Daryl Williams. A lot of hype right now and excitement around DeAndre Washington as the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire backup. Um, Elijah McGuire's there, though. I don't think he's anything. So it, it really depends. I don't think any one of those guys are going to be the guy if something happens to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So I'm not going to really include in them in there. J.K. Dobbins is another one. A, a lot of hype around J.K. Dobbins, and I understand why. I, I love the player. But I'm not certain that he's going to be used more than Gus Edwards or Justice Hill. All right, again, rookies have a little bit of a disadvantage this year. That's just known. 
they don't have the the practice and the reps and the camp and the training camp like they used to or I should say used to in the past, except for this year. There are no preseason games. Coaches don't have a lot to go off of other than what they see in practice, and they're limited with the kind of practices and pads. So rookies are at a disadvantage, and that's why J.K. Dobbins isn't as high on my list as he is for others. Because I think Gus Edwards is still going to be there, and if something were to happen to Ingram, I think Edwards is going to be the guy that gets the majority of the of the reps, at least the early down reps. And this is an offense in Baltimore that you want somebody. You want the guy who's behind Ingram. But understanding who that guy is, I think, is a little difficult. I mean, everyone always gets excited, including myself, on rookie running backs. Not so much this year. Not for me. I'm just not certain that Ingram goes down and Dobbins is the guy. As talented as he is, there's a lot more to the NFL than just being able to run the ball. There really is, or even catch the ball. So I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on J.K. Dobbins as somebody that um, I might go after. Maybe later, He, but he's going too early for me. I'm not, I don't really like his, his ADP right now. So maybe if he's, if he's there late, I'll take a flyer on him, you know, as, as a non-Ingram owner uh, for that matter. Um, going down the list here, uh, the D, uh, Detroit Lions situation is, is a little interesting. Uh, Swift is banged up right now. Uh, he's somebody that I really am interested in, in, in my draft, depending on his injury when you have your draft, but I'm not certain I I'm not drafting carry on Johnson, Ty Johnson or anything like that. Uh, I don't know which direction they're going to go. I do like carry on Johnson and if he's available late, can maybe take a flyer, but Again, it's the Lions, and when has a Lions running back really been, you know, all that fantasy relevant? Hopefully, that changes. Um, I'm not, I'm not touching Duke Johnson in um, in Houston. Uh, Philip Lindsay's still being drafted. People still think he's got a lot of value, and he, and he might, and he's not going to be the Lindsay that people think though. He's not the Lindsay of the past. Okay, he's Melvin Gordon is is the starter on this team, and Melvin Gordon can catch the ball as well. So don't make it seem like it's Melvin Gordon on first and second downs and Lindsey on third. I don't think that's how it is. All right, Melvin Gordon is is super talented, and they brought him there for a reason, and he is the starter. Um, will Will Lindsey be an RB one if if Gordon goes down? Absolutely not. So he's not somebody I want as a Gordon owner, and maybe not even somebody I want as a non Gordon owner. Um, again, he, he's a nice player. You know, somebody that, you know, you can draft in the later rounds, but he's going way too early. He's got like an eighth round, ninth round ADP. And I am, I'm not touching Lindsay there. I don't think he's going to be as involved as people think, you know, he will be. Uh, Damian Harris is a name to watch, though. Some people are now saying that Sonny Michelle, it could be ready earlier than expected. My rule of thumb, usually, don't touch New England running backs. You just don't know. We, we all know how Bill Belichick is. We all know how he uses him. I like Harris. I liked Harris a lot last year coming out. I hated the fact that he ended up on New England. And if I'm going to draft any of the New England running backs, it's going to be Harris at the right price. Um, but Harris is somebody to keep in the back of your mind. They also brought in Lamar Miller. So who you know who the hell knows about that? He's on pup right now. Um Here's a name that everybody loves, right? Because he 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 took a video, or there was a video circulating about his legs, and which were very impressive. AJ Dillon, all right. My take on this, and if you listen to my episode where I talked about Aaron Jones and 
Austin Eckler. A.J. Dillon is he's a big guy, right? He's in the mold a little bit of like a of of a Derrick Henry. You say, well, that's that's great. You know, Henry's a top five back. Yes, he is. But I believe that A.J. Dillon is more of a threat to Jamal Williams this year than he is to Aaron Jones. And I'll be brief about this because I already discussed this, like I said, on that Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones episode. Aaron Jones is in the final year of his contract. They drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round. So they obviously have plans for A.J. Dillon. But I think those plans really start in 2021 when Aaron Jones is no longer on the team. That's how the that's how the Packers work things. They're not going to give Aaron Jones big money. What they will do is I think they will use the hell out of Aaron Jones this year. They're going to get their money's worth and then let him walk. So AJ Dillon in a dynasty league is is phenomenal for 2021 and beyond. But for this year, Aaron Jones is still the guy I want. And if something were to happen to Aaron Jones, Dylan is going to have more of a role as far as more reps. Will he be the clear-cut number one? Probably not. I could be wrong. Probably not. Would Dylan be somebody as a as a Aaron Jones owner I might go after? Depending. But with the hype he's getting right now, he's not going to be there late enough for me. So he will, so he might be somebody where I, as a non- Aaron Jones owner, where I might be able to draft and kind of dangle him in trade bait with the Aaron Jones owner. I don't think he's going to be an RB1 if things happen with Aaron Jones. I think he might be more of an RB2 player, which is fine, which is the definition of a handcuff. But as long as Jamal Williams is still there, there's going to be a little bit more hesitation because Jamal Williams is also in the contract year. So you got to keep that in mind as well. Okay, this pick of AJ of AJ Dillon by the Packers may have been more for the future um, than it, it is for right now. Forget the Atlanta backfield. You can have Edo Smith if something happens to Gurley. And that's funny because Atlanta's backfield, you might want the handcuff if you're a Gurley owner um, because of that of that offense. Where, you know, they're gonna score a lot of points and they run a lot of plays. But I'm not confident that it is Edo Smith. It could be Quadri Allison, right? Uh, Brian Hill. So I would just hold off on that. And then if something happens to Gurley, I would wait until uh, Fab Time, you know, comes out and you can go and use your free agent budget on acquiring him on whoever it is, whether it's Smith, Allison, or whoever you want. Giovanni Bernard, not going to go and, and look for him as a mixing owner or even a non mixing owner. So you could probably, you know, get him late if you want him to take a shot in the dark. I mentioned Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly. Uh, over with the Raiders, it, it's Josh Jacobs, and that's really about it because I think it would be just a complete mess and a complete committee um, if something happens over there. In uh, Pittsburgh, it could be Benny Snell, could be McFarland. Um, I don't think Jalen Samuels is anything to worry about. I am a little worried about James Conner, though, but he looks like he's in tremendous shape. I was actually worried that he would opt out uh, based on his Kansas history, but he did not. And he looks like he's in tremendous shape. Hopefully he stays healthy. Uh, but Benny Snell or Anthony McFarlane, not somebody I'm going to be targeting as a Connor owner or not. Uh, Chicago, there's only really two running backs you want is Montgomery and it's Cohen. Cohen's not the handcuff, all right, because he is going to be his own player, his own value. 
He's going to be involved regardless in the passing game and and uh, whatnot. Um, and if something happens with Montgomery, um, Cohen might be a little more involved. I mean, but who really? I'm not drafting Ryan now, so uh, let's forget about that. I mentioned the Giants. It could be Wayne Gallman. It could be Deion Lewis. Um, I'm not drafting a handcuff there, regardless if I'm a Barkley owner or not. Uh, Reggie Bonifant in Carolina. If you think that this guy or any of these guys are going to give you anywhere near the production of CMC or even Barkley, forget about it. So that's what I mean by, you know, I, I, I usually like handcuffing my number one running backs. And if you're using a first or second pick on Barkley or McCaffrey, it's pretty unfortunate that you really don't have that handcuff that you could really go and target. Um, Jacksonville is the same, which, by the way, on a side note, I expect more out of Leonard Fournette than a lot of people. I'm higher on him than I think. I think while his his targets may go down with the emergence and acquisition of Chris Thompson, I just do I do think that he's in for a and I hate this I hate this uh, line or or whatever, but positive regression as far as touchdowns go. Um, I hate that term. That's the one I'm looking for. Positive regression. Um, but I do think he gets more touchdowns than three that he had last year. So I think he's going to be just fine. So if people want to sleep on him. That's fine with me. More for me. I'll take I'll take uh, Leonard Fournette. Um, with the Jets, no, you can you can have Frank Gore. You can have whoever else. Um, I'll be fine with Le'Veon Bell. Um, but no, I don't trust the offense enough. And I'm a Jet fan. And I don't trust Gore or Michael Pirine to be. Um, fantasy relevant uh i pretty much covered every team i think which actually wasn't even my intention i kind of just wanted to go, you know go over the top ones but i kind of went over each and every team except for the washington football team and if you've been reading my stuff or listening you know how high i am on antonio gibson higher than almost everybody on the expert consensus rankings he's the guy i want from this team and if I'm drafting in the order, if I'm drafting the order I want the Washington running backs, it's Gibson, it's Love, and then it's AP. Gibson, Love, and then AP. And AP is the presumed quote-unquote starter. But I want Gibson because they're going around. The ADP is very similar, AP and Gibson. But I want I want Gibson, and I don't care. People can say all they want about his his uh, you know lack of rushes in college and whatnot, it's not just about rushes. It's about what this guy can do with the ball in his hands. Scoring on 18% of his total touches last year is remarkable. They're going to get him involved, whether it's in the running game, the passing game or not. He's going to be lined up all over, and he's going to be involved because good things happen when he has the ball in his hands. Bryce Love might be the best pure running back on this team. I would rather have him at a much later ADP than Adrian Peterson. So if I'm drafting the Washington backfield, that's how it goes. Gibson, Love, and then AP. All right, that's my opinion, um, and I'm going to stick to it. I've been I've been that way since the start of, uh, since the draft. All right, Antonio Gibson has been my guy. So that is pretty much it. I've covered every single team I think there is. If I missed one, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure I'm just going over the list right now. In front of me, and I'm pretty sure I covered every team and the running back situation there. So, what do we do? If you believe in handcuffs, there's only some that you want, right? There's only some that you want. There's Tony Pollard and there's Alexander Madison as pure handcuffs. Those are really the only two pure handcuffs that I'd be willing to go and get as an owner of 
the starters as an owner of Elliott and as an owner of Dalvin Cook. If I'm not an owner of those, oh, I, I shouldn't be saying owner, right? Then we change the terms. If I'm if I'm not a manager, if I don't roster those two players, uh, I still want to go and roster Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison. You, you want to get those guys away from the Elliott and Dalvin Cook owners, respectively. So pure handcuffs, that's it. Kareem Hunt, the number one, um, 1B to Nick Chubb's 1A. Uh, he's going to be involved. He could be a league winner if something happens with Nick Chubb. Uh, that's really it. Zach Moss, like I said, he's another guy, standalone value, who could be RB1 if something happens with Singletary, although Josh Allen also limits his upside a little bit with his uh, goal line carries and, and his potential to sneak away some touchdowns. And uh, Latavius Murray, another one, standalone value, would be an RB1 or could be an RB1 if something happens to Alvin Kamara. So that is the handcuffs for 2020. That's what I'm doing. And that's it. All right. The season's a couple weeks away. Start your research. We have our cheat sheets over at fantasyshed.com. You can download them. You can print them. We have PPR, half point PPR. We have player tiers. We have busts, sleepers. We have top 200. We have auction values. Whatever you need, we have it. That's why we say everything you need to win your league. So go check that out. Please go and mention, uh, please go and, and sign up for Thrive Fantasy, as I mentioned before. That's www.thrivefantasy.com. Download the app on the App Store or Play Store. Don't forget the promo code, promo code SHED, S H E D, when you sign up, and you will get your 20, your instant a $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to Fantasy Shed on Air. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FantasyShed underscore com for information on upcoming episodes as we help guide you to a fantasy football championship. Fantasy.